You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast produced by Veteran Strategies and featuring conversations with fascinating and impactful men and women who have shaped our world, our communities, and our history. My name is Robert Vane, Principal of Veteran Strategies, and your host for our discussion. You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, a local veteran public relations enterprise, and sponsored by Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, Garmon Construction, Leaders and Legends LLC, the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and McAllister Machinery, your friendly neighborhood Caterpillar dealer. You may find all your sales and rental equipment needs at McAllister.com. We are pleased to announce our podcast is a member of the All Indiana Podcast Network in partnership with Wish TV. You may find Leaders and Legends at AllIndianaPodcastNetwork.com. Thinking of starting a podcast or need to host a public meeting? Let Leaders and Legends LLC be your partner as you look for new ways to communicate your message. Please contact Chris Spangle and me at leadersandlegends.net. Thank you for joining us on the Leaders and Legends podcast. Our subject matter today is the incomparable life, times, and language of Rex Early. And I should remind our three guests that there is no profanity allowed on the Leaders and Legends podcast. Murray Clark, my former boss and chairman of the Indiana Republican Party, and Delaney, my uh, friend, and Delaney. Is that fair? Fair enough. <laughs> former chairman of the Indiana Democratic Party, and our frequent guest or co-host in this case, Jim Shella, political reporter emeritus, Wish TV. Thank you all so much. I know Rex meant a lot to all of you. There's no way that we could uh, let his passing go without acknowledging his life here on the podcast. So we'll do ladies first. And please tell us your first meeting with Rex, how long you've known him and kind of your general friendship with him. Well, I first met him when he became chairman uh, of the party and I was doing uh, Evans' re-election campaign for governor. And um, we tangled it's fair to say, through that. And for a couple of years after that, before we became friends, he, he started appearing on Indiana Week in Review, which was always a challenge because um, I thought the further away he got from Knox County, the more pronounced his uh, accent and uh, aphorisms were. <laughs> so, you know, you'd sit opposite him, and we were live at the time, so there was no live pausing. On, live, live on the radio. Live, live on the radio, so there was no pausing. It And he would say he's meaner than a boar chigger. And I'm sitting there saying, is that B-O-A-R, B-O-A-R-D, B-O-R-E-D, you know. So B-O-A-R. I, I, I figured that out, but it was much later. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. It's not something that comes up much in Meridian Kessler, I'm afraid. But anyway, um, <clears throat> then, then we got to know each other. After the campaign was over, uh, we became friends, I think it's fair to say. Murray, you've probably known him as long as anybody. Yeah, I don't. So he was he was in the legislature with my dad in 1962. He he and he and dad were really good friends, and uh, they both were Marines. Both Marines. Oh yeah, and they they served in the legislature 1962 one term, and 
they were able to turn a two to one Republican majority into a two to one uh, Democrat majority in one term. <laughs> It's really an accomplishment. And uh, sixty-four it, was a bad year for. Well, it, it sixty-four bad year, but also you know that's that was the term when Indiana Indiana sales tax was created, you know, enacted, which, and so, and every one of them said they always said they voted against the sales tax, right? I think there's amazing revi- how it passed. <laughs> yeah, right, really, uh, revisionist history there, and then he he so, but I think I met him probably when Alex ran for. Uh, election again for mayor in 1967. Your uncle. Yeah, my my uncle Alex Clark, right? So he was mayor in 51, and you couldn't succeed yourself, and they talked him into mm-hmm. running again. He got beat by some guy we've never heard from again named Luger. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's been kind of that long. And then, you know, we he coached CYO at St. Matthews, and he coached Pat, and, and we played at St. Luke, and we'd you know, play them and all that. So I've known him a long time. Jim, I want you to please talk about your relationship, how you met Rex, and then I'd like you to take over the podcast for a little bit and keep the conversation going. Okay. Well, I, I can tell you, I I first met, met Rex on the day he was elected state Republican chairman. I was at Republican headquarters to, that to cover the vote. 91. 91. It was 91. Um, and... Uh, um, he he got left outside the room while they held this this secret, secret vote. vote. Yeah, uh, so it was just him hanging with the reporters, and uh, <laughs> you get to know Rex in a hurry. <laughs> Let me just say, did that. you know who he was before then at all? Oh, sure, sure. And and there was no doubt that he was going to be the new chairman because the Republican Party was in big trouble, and previous chairman had taken a, a salary, a rather hefty salary, and he had agreed to take the job for nothing, um, and and try to bring the party back to life because it was broke at that point. Um, so that's financially and otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then later in 1991, uh, I was hired to be the host of Indiana Week in Review. And uh, it, well, it, I'll tell you more than you want to know here, maybe. But but I was hired shortly before the previous host was fired. And uh, there was a little dust up in the newspapers. Everybody on the panel, it's a four-member panel, everybody on the panel swore their allegiance to the uh, previous host who said he was going to start another show. Um, so the first thing I did when I got the job was, was start calling everybody who had been a panelist to say, you didn't get fired. You're still welcome. I uh, just want you to know there's no hard feelings for me. And before I could get to Rex, who had apparently just become the Republican panelist, uh, he called me and I said, uh, aren't you going to swear your loyalty like these other folks did? And he said, listen, to quote Bill Jenner, that loyalty is as deep as a cow pissing on a flat rock. <laughs> <laughs> to, to which I said, Rex, you're on the show. <laughs> he was your first panelist. <laughs> he was. <laughs> do you was. think that? Do you think the dynamic between Rex and Ann helped prepare that, sh- propel that show to a different place? Short answer is yes, um, but as as Ann said, I, I I can tell you the the first several shows that we did uh, with Rex and Ann. First of all, it's a new format. I've never been the host before. I think it would have been 
a tense environment regardless, but the tension between the two of them was... Cut with a knife. <laughs> was, that, was that just radio then? It, it, no, no, it was, it was on TV, TV. Oh, but TV. it was live on the radio, but at the time, when we did it, they TV. were taping it for TV. Yeah, um, it... it uh, it, it was uh, it was an adventure, uh, it, but the reality is, uh, it, you know, it became known to many people as the Rex and Ann Show or the Ann and Rex Show, uh, which is a much better name than Indiana Week Review, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> it's better. Bra- it's better branding. It is. We should have just gone with that. Um, but. Uh, um, we got really good ratings for a public affairs show. Uh, really good. Um, you, those things usually don't get ratings, and if they do, it's a it's a one. And uh, we got some crooked numbers. It it became something of a phenomenon. Yeah, it took a while though. Right. Uh, but it, when uh, we visited Rex on his literally on his deathbed about a week before he died, he said that he'd always loved me. And McDaniel standing there says, lying to the last, Rex. <laughs> uh, you should tell the story about his aunt. <laughs> well, he had a he had an elderly aunt in the nursing home at one point when he was doing the show. And uh, he went to visit her and uh, he uh, was leaving her room. And the person in the room across the hall called out and said, are you the TV man? And yeah. he kind of puffed up and said, why, yes, I am. And she said, well, mine doesn't get any channels. <laughs> <laughs> Brought down to earth. Yeah. Well, he, I, I will, you know, he, we all know Rex, Rex uh, could, uh, he, he was proud of his accomplishments and, and wanted people to know who and what he was. But he, 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 he had perspective. He, he had perspective. When he loved telling that story, it's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did you manage, Jim, as the host? How did you manage the dynamic between Rex and Ann in the sense that you want there to be some sparks, but you don't necessarily want it to generate into some giant screaming match? Well, that's not to say it didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, the format of the program was uh, I would uh, create four or five topics, uh, and I would notify everybody the topics ahead of time so they could do research if necessary. Wouldn't tell them what the questions were or what necessarily what direction the discussion was going to go. But uh, especially in the early days, it, it seemed like... Like and the first one or two topics were always the most political, and and the discussion would devolve into a screaming match. And and my line, which some people quote back to me to this day, was moving on, <laughs> and we just go on to the I've next a, topic. We, I've been a victim of that. Murray, have you been a victim of that? <laughs> Did you ever say it to Ann? Uh, I think I just said it to the room in general. We're mm. just, we're moving on. Next time. And we had, we had some catharsis. I mean, remember the time Rex was out in the parking lot and slammed his attache case down and said, you try defending that. <laughs> 
Lindley Pearson. Lindley was, Pearson. Well, the, but the best part of that story is is that we weren't even on the subject. We we had left the, the program. We were walking to our cars, and we were talking about something completely different. Completely yeah. different. And he just stopped, took this this leather binder over his head, and slammed it on the parking lot, and said, "You try to defend Lindley Pearson." <laughs> <laughs> and was your attitude towards the show different when Rex was on? Did you feel well, like you had more, to be more aggressive because you knew what he was going to say or do? Yes. and Well, for two reasons. First of all, when you've got an incumbent governor who's going to listen to the show and is going to tell you what he would have said had uh, the question gone to him. Your, inc- you know, your incumbent governor. My incumbent governor. When you don't have an incumbent governor, the, you know, the, it, it's easier. But when, when you've got <laughs> two or three people in the administration listening to it and having... 24 hours to figure out what they would have said, which would have been infinitely better than what I said. It but gets a little would stressful. Watch the show. <laughs> well, yeah. well and I will say that incumbent governor, Evan Bayh, uh, in case you wondered what he thought of the show, I, I, my, when I was trying to create this panel initially, I went to Bill Morrow, right. uh, who was on the governor's staff, and asked him to be a right. panelist. And uh, He frequently reminds me of that. <laughs> right. But my understanding is it, it, it went to the governor and he said no Ann would be a better Again, choice with moral nobody would have watched it <laughs> oh, they would have they would they, they and, and he, he he would served as a substitute i mean i always liked having a permanent panel cast and oh, yeah. and uh, and and try to have the same same group as often as possible to that point Ann, i remember when i was working for murray as comms director at the state republican party and jennifer wagner was comms director at state democratic party and we used to do shows and stuff like that together mm-hmm. you know i always felt like i had to really be on my game because jennifer was, was so smart mm-hmm. so in your situation not only did rex love politics and knew what he was talking about but did you feel like i'm not going to let that sob get in a way get away with calling me an sob because i'm going to call him an sob first like well, there, did you feel that element, way there's an element of that the other problem though with rex is that you could never be sure which angle he was coming from I mean, you know, you get a fairly straightforward question, and it would be one of these bank shots, tinkers to ever to chance, and you're, you know, you're trying to wrap your mind around it. Uh, at the same time, you have what thirty seconds to come up with a response. Right. So it it was challenging. It and, was challenging. And sometimes he would give an answer that really wasn't directed at the audience. It was intended for the guys at the Antelope Club or the White River right. Club, or somebody he wanted to settle a score with. Oh right. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Were you on that panel with us when we went to d- to the governor's uh, disability uh, conference? conference? On di- yes. Yeah. yes, yes, yes. You want to tell that story? <laughs> well, <laughs> we 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 did. First of all, we we would do a lot of luncheons and and right. You did a statewide lot of conferences. Really, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and it, it was the governor's conference on disabilities, and and Ann made some point that that Rex Didn't was like. it wasn't taken with you, and he said he said. Even even Ray Charles could see that. <laughs> there, there was an audible gasp from the audience. Did did Rex ever call you up, speak to Jim and Ann, and go, "Man, you know what? I shouldn't have said that," or "I'm no. sorry, I said that," or "I don't th- no, I don't think he ever regretted anything he ever he, said." No, I mean he would. He, 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 
he loved to tell stories about how he got in trouble. You know, he yeah. he would. I think I think uh, somebody in management at WFYI at one point pulled him aside and suggested that he should avoid making a remark like one or two. He made he made a couple of remarks that I think you can fairly describe as racist um, uh, on the show, uh, and uh, they they suggested that maybe he should try to avoid that and. He would just tell people about the comment he made and how they reacted to it. I mean, he was not he, contrition was not uh, was not uh, part of his vocabulary. Yeah. You're listening to the Leaders and Legends podcast, and we're discussing the life and legacy and humor, among other things, of of just past former chairman of the Indiana Republican Party, Rex Early. And we're here with Ann Delaney, Murray Clark, and Jim Shella. Murray, you became chairman about. 20 or so years, or no, about 14 years after Rex did. Did he give you any words of wisdom as you ascended to the chairmanship? Well, he wanted to make sure he was going to be a national delegate. (laughs) 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 You know, he, so to, you know, to, to Jim's point, the state party was broke when he got there and he literally sold, you know, national delegate positions and to all his buddies, right? So that's how he filled the coffers. And, you know, if I'd, I don't know about you, but if I'd have tried to do that, oh, yeah. they would have, they would have hung me by my ankles on, on Monument Circle. You know, and we, I mean, he so, was, Suddenly the delegation had a lot more Southern Indiana bankers with big rings. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was, it was in Houston, you know, and it was, it was Jug and it was all his buddies, you know, and it was, it was actually a lot of fun. Um, and he, um, you know, he decided that he wanted to leverage my chairmanship. So he had, he called me up and he said, you know, I've got this book going. And I said, yeah, that's what I understand. And he says, well, we, it's not out in print yet, but we'd like to have the initial launch and uh, book signing at, at, at state headquarters. And I said, well, that, that sounds you know, like a great idea. What were you thinking? We talked it through. And Kevin Ober at the time was my ED, and he comes in, he says, you think we should read it first? <laughs> so we got a manuscript, because it hadn't, and we both read it all the weekend and laughed all the way through it. But he was really stridently critical of some people that were friends, you know, so. Republicans were oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I called him on Monday. He says, what do you think? I said, oh, it was great. I said, you know, there was that one chapter on so-and-so, you know, do you have to have it in there? And he said, well, hell yes, you know, I'm, you know, whatever. And I said, well, you know, you forgot something in there. You, you forgot a big item. He says, no, I didn't. I said, yes, you did. And he said, what is it? I said, I'll tell you what, I'll trade you my story for the one we want you to remove. And he said, I'll do it if it's good. And it was the one about Angie stealing Steve Goldsmith yard signs. Oh, his yeah. daughter, Angie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Angie, his daughter, who looks like her mother and acts like her father, <laughs> and worked 24 7 for her dad when he ran for governor in 1996 in the primary and was notorious for taking interns out in her van and in the 
dark of the night and stealing Steve Goldsmith signs and then going first thing in the morning at the Rex Early headquarters and calling the Steve Goldsmith campaign headquarters and giving them hell for stealing Rex Early for governor yards. <laughs> <laughs> so did he hold his, his book signing at, at headquarters? He did. He did, yeah. And he had Ed look it over for possible libel actions, <laughs> too, he? before I he, had he did. <laughs> well, I, I think I put a little fear in him. <laughs> Let's I do, but I I want to just jump back to the previous campaign, the '92 that you mentioned, Evan, by against uh, yeah. Lindley Pearson. As long as you're on the subject of yard signs, Rex went oh, out yeah. and had some yard signs printed. That it, I you, have one. I I, oh, I still have oh, mine. I, do. I still have mine. Um, uh, you'll recall that uh, the, it, then the sixth congressional district, the Democratic nominee, was a fellow by the name of Bobby Hidalgo. Citizen uh, Kern. 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 Bobby Hidalgo Kern, who, uh, amongst other things, was Controversy. known to be a cross-dresser and, and uh, had an arrest record and uh, really wasn't he embraced. He would call me when I worked at the election board for Marion County and disguise his voice as a yeah. woman. and. Yeah. He pretended he was the fifth. How many Charlie? The last, the last they? Charlie's Four, angel, Tanya Charlie's, Roberts. Yes. You would call up. He call. Well, he would call me and, and identify himself as Tanya Roberts. Yeah, and I would. But, I would tell him I couldn't be helpful, and I gave him Ed Tracy's number. Yeah. Well, anyway, Rex went out and had yard signs printed that said "By Hidalgo." Although he misspelled his own. Hidalgo, yeah. <laughs> details, details. Um, and put one in your lawn, right? And one in ours, one in glasses, Glass. next door, one, <laughs> one in Moro's. One yeah. in mine. One in yours. They, yeah. I won't go, you know, because I never, I ne- you know, you'll never find a yard sign in my yard. And I wake up in the morning and say, what's that? And, yeah. <laughs> Did you know automatically? I mean, sure. sure. Where else would it come from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, by that time, he'd been to our houses. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But to, just to finish up your question, our, our chairmanship is so different, right? To Ann's yeah. point, Rex, Rex didn't have an incumbent governor, right? Yeah. So he could and so he whereas, call the shots. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Let's talk a little bit. We mentioned it a few seconds ago. The 96 campaign for governor. Steve Goldsmith gets reelected for a second term. In 1995, as mayor of Indianapolis, everyone pretty much knows he's running for governor in 96. If you look at his vote total in 91 and his vote total in 95, it's significantly different, even though you can argue he was running against a weaker opponent in 95 as opposed to Louis Mayer in 91. Why did Rex run for governor? Did he really think he could beat Goldsmith? I mean, that's kind of a yes question, but what was going through his mind? And how did he react to not winning that primary? Murray? Well, I mean, I, I think he thought he could win. And the one thing about being a state chairperson, you go, you meet people all over the state. You make new friends. You make you know alliances and so forth. And I think he thought that you know, Steve didn't have those, right? And that Steve wasn't maybe the greatest retail politician ever and so forth. Um, and I mean... He, Plus he couldn't stand it. Well, there's that. And then so... <laughs> did Goldsmith hate... Did, did Steve dislike Rex as much as Rex disliked Steve? Mm. Or is that possible? I don't think... I don't I don't know. I don't know. Probably not Goldsmith possible. Goldsmith treated everybody with this. Yeah, that's right. No. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was 0 for 2 that election. That was great. Uh, for Rex in the primary and then for Goldsmith in the general. Well, that was the 
real mistake right there. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, I think, I mean, chairman. again, you know, he had, he was popular, all, you know, he was popular and so forth. They just, you know, Steve had money, money, a lot of money, yeah, a lot of money. I can tell you if, if Rex had won that primary and the fall race had been Frank O'Bannon versus Rex Early, I think that would have been very entertaining. Uh, you know, two guys from Southern Indiana. They were good Indiana. friends, too, though. They were, yeah. you know. Um, but Rex always was, com- I mean, to me, he was always complimentary about Evan Bayh. Actually, I think, I think they served with Frank's dad in the legislature. That could be. Yeah. That could yeah. be. Well, it, I mean, and to the Evan Bayh point, Rex and Evan Bayh became good friends in 1986 when Evan Bayh was the Secretary of State and Rex Early was uh, the Republican on the yeah. State Recount Commission. And there was a recount in Elkhart uh, in the 3rd Congressional District. Right. And so they spent hours in the car going back and forth to Elkhart together. Evan Bayh was, was at uh, Rex funeral. Early's funeral. And he wrote a lovely note to Evan when Susan passed, too. Yeah, yeah. How did you cover? The, I mean, I know you covered it as an objective journalist, but besides that, how did you cover that '96 primary? Given your friendship, we've had this discussion several times, Jim, when you've been on the podcast. I mean, I hate to say it must have been tough, but there must have been a part of it that was like, "Well, this is what I got to do." Well, here's the thing about covering politics. I mean, you know, I covered politics for 34 years. I became friends with an awful lot of politicians, including the people in this room, um, and you. When you're friends with somebody, uh, approaching them's not an issue. It's it's an advantage. But in terms of being fair, I mean, I always thought that I could ask tougher questions of my friends than I could if they weren't. Um, uh, because they knew it wasn't personal? Right, right. I mean, if it's a legitimate question. They, they all have to be legitimate questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't think that was a problem. I don't think that was a problem. Did you have an opportunity to interview Rex? I, I don't know who his oh, press sure. person would have been back in the day. Who was his PR person, press person? I don't remember him having one. He the the fun part. He, he the person he traveled with all the time was Kevin Eck, who uh, was a pallbearer. Mm-hmm. He's, he's close to Kevin to the yeah. end. Uh, but he, he, Kevin, his official job was to be his driver, and and for all anybody knew, Kevin didn't have a name because Rex always called him Driver. <laughs> <laughs> Murray, you made a good point a few minutes ago about chairmanship being different, and obviously want Ann to weigh in on this uh, too. Rex obviously is seen as a, as a bit of a throwback in the column I wrote for the Star. I call him the GOP OG. Is there room for the Rex Earlies of the world in today's politics who play it rough and tumble on the partisan side, but then you know, kind of on personal side? I'm sure that. He would have done anything in the world for Ann Delaney or her husband if, if they needed it. Um, well, I'd like to think there is, right? I mean, you, politics has changed so much. You know, you talked about, I mean, the statehouse media, the way it used to be. We've talked about this and the way it is today. And you don't have the relationships, but, you know, social media has changed things so much in politics. But, I mean, you know, Evan and Joe Hoggs that were at the funeral, uh, you have you have relationships across the aisle. I mean, I think what you're seeing at the state house is quite a bit different than maybe it used to be. Um, 
But I, I have confidence it'll, it'll work its way back, I think. I mean, you have – the worst thing that happens is, you know, super majorities or 20 to 5 council majorities and so forth. And I, and I think in most I, – I think that works its way back, I think. I hope so. Politics yeah. has changed in other ways, too. I mean, Rex got started as a precinct committeeman uh, in his neighbor on the south side. And, you know, there are still precinct. Well, there are still precinct committee people, but they don't even live in their neighborhood. They're just somebody right. who gets appointed you, by the county you chairman. Wait, to right. can't find them. Right. That's why it's the, I, I frankly think the whole code has to be changed because the, the, the party apparatus is woven into the code. No doubt. And it's not relevant anymore. I mean, when you can vote anywhere, your precinct committeeman is not even going to know whether you voted or not. So it's it's just it's the, the structure is completely different. Well, I my, hope I hope you're not being too optimistic. I hope you're I, correct. But you boy. know, I am I am optimistic. Um, but the but the money part of it has taken over for party politics, well, which is a shame. Citizens and, United has made a huge difference. Well, when when I was when I was chair, uh, John McCain came to Indianapolis, had a short fundraiser at the Columbia Club. It was uh, one of the one and a half times he visited Indiana when he was a presidential candidate. <laughs> and I the, said... The other time was uh, uh, the Sunday before Election Day. Correct? Well, I think it was like Monday night. Monday night, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. I so uh, <laughs> I, I said to him, Senator, it's an honor to meet you. Um, we exchanged pleasantries. He was nice as he could be. And I said... Sir, I feel duty-bound on behalf of the Central Committee to ask you if you would ever consider uh, amending McCain-Feingold Act because it's, ha- it's created hardships for the party, and his demeanor changed immediately, and he, he made it very clear he had no intention of doing it. And yeah. I can, I can and, second that conversation because it happened right in front of me. Uh, right, at, it was at the uh, Conrad or someplace because he was going to Kite's It was house, Conrad, yeah. And that's when John McCain wore the POW, my his POW bracelet that I wore all the time. And I remember he, he was very pleasant. Then all of a sudden I went, what did Murray say? <laughs> but I mean, the, what do you, what, what, whether you call them super packs or big packs, or, you know, it's just, it's really, you know, it's taken over party politics. And, and even school board politics now. You don't know who the finance, the people behind these candidates are. They may not even live in Indiana. Yeah. And yet we've, we're getting inundated with, with that uh, money. It really needs to be, it needs to be reined in. We had, a, we had the podcast we did, uh, Jim and I did, with Robin Winston and Mike McDaniel. And then we did one with Jim Kittle and Ed Tracy. Uh, just using them as examples as, as state party chairman, obviously Murray and Kip. And the question I ask, and I want to make sure I ask you, Ann, is I asked them, did you ever like get grief from your own party because you were nice or you laughed at what the other person had to say? And no. everyone said <laughs> it didn't matter because I don't care. A, did you ever laugh? B, did you ever get any grief at what Are we Rex talking said? about on the show? Yes. Um, or anywhere where there was an audience. Oh, yeah. You know, there would be people that would disagree with what you said and want to talk about that. But, you know, that's part of the whole process. You have, just as you have wing nuts in your party, we have people that are to the left of middle in our party, mm-hmm. and they'll second guess some of the points you make. But, but nothing that I, you know, and Rex, it was just, 
But did Rex say something and you just laughed because it was funny? And then they said, why are you laughing at him? Like, no. you need to tell him, the, you know, go to but hell or whatever. I raised my voice enough times with Rex that I didn't have to yeah. give bona fides that we were adversaries. <laughs> it was readily apparent. I, I never true. got any grief for that. Hey, uh, before we get too far away from it, I, I mean, I think one of the, one of the things uh, that, that was key to Rex's existence is that he held grudges and he, and he tried to get even. And, and since we mentioned Steve Goldsmith, Irish, Irish Alzheimer's. Yes. Um, he, Murray, you need to tell the story about, about uh, Rex talking to the NPR reporter in, at, at the, the national convention in the twin cities. Yeah. So I was, I was chairman. That was the one convention I had and I, I forget who it was. Maybe it was you. Somebody came to me and said, <clears throat> Mr. Chairman, I think we have a problem here. And I said, well, Set and said, well, it was NPR or CNN or somebody is uh, just interviewed Rex and because we had kind of and, and sent them. Well, this was 2012 too, I think, for right. context. So you know, he ran against Steve Goldsmith in 1996. This is 2012. Right. Yeah, this is 16 years later. <laughs> and I said, well, that's okay. You know, he's colorful. We, you know, it's yeah. boring. It's the early days of the convention. He's well. They said uh, to him, and now that you're in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, what are you doing with your free time? And he says, oh, we're going out and getting drunk. And I think somebody used the word carousing, maybe. That's not what he said, carousing. And she laughed. Oh, Chasing women, I think yeah. is what he yeah, said. Or, yeah, or bras, so, <laughs> what he said. We could say it. It's all right. So, Anne's here. Her van so, so here. She, we could so she, the reporter laughed, and she said, now, uh, what's your name? And he says, Steve Goldsmith. And he laughed <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite Rex early story by far. Was it McDaniel sitting next to him, or I don't know where they were. I think so. Yeah, yeah. probably. Well, oh, McDaniel's was always, he was always sitting, sitting next, sitting next yeah. to him to try to bring him under yeah. control. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Murray, you, I've seen you at more Republican Party events than I can count. Staffed you at many of them, but in the last several years, I noticed that you made seemed like you made a special effort to bring Rex. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I guess I've gotten old school. I grew I grew up with these politicos, my family and others that I used to listen to at their knee, you know, and was fascinated to tell more stories. I guess we're the ones telling stories now. But you know, he was he was so close to our family, to dad and to Alex and to me. And and I mentioned this the other day, he was actually very close to uh my mom's brother Bob. My mom had two brothers. One was a banker and swam and all that, a very serious dude. And then she had another brother that was a complete catbird. <laughs> and Rex identified with them. And Jug, the three of them and all that. And, and uh, so, you know, we, we adore Rex and our family loved him, really. And he and my dad had a special, really special relationship. Yeah. It was fun in the, the 2012 convention in Tampa. I got to play Euchre with David Brooks. That was when the hurricane came. Yeah. David Brooks. So, well, just for 12 was Tampa, so 08 was uh, Twin Cities, right? 08, right. That's yeah. right. 2008 was. So it was only yeah. 12 years later. I, you know, I stand corrected. <laughs> That's not exaggerating. <laughs> and it was Mike McDaniel and Rex Early against David Brooks and me. And I have to admit, not only was Rex, first off, Rex and Mike Daniel got thumped, by the way, David Brooks and me, 
But Rex was still intimidating to that point, even though, you know, I wasn't, I mean, I was 40 something, I was 45, maybe 44, that I was scared to over Trump him a few times. And I'm like, if I, if he's going to, I'm going to throw this card and he's going to scream at me and cuss at me. And maybe I should just let this one slide and hope that the next card works out. Okay. Did you? Yes, I did at least two or three times. I'm like, you know what? He's he's had nines and tens for like 20 straight hands. So I think he's going to lose it here pretty soon. What was Rex like? You were talking about politically and being on the shows and this like what was it like to have lunch with him, have dinner, breakfast, to be with him in a place where it was just the two of you and there wasn't any necessarily any show? And did you have that experience many times? Well, I. I certainly had dinner with him several times, but n- probably never alone. He never drank, which was something that I always thought. Well, well he'd have a glass of wine. Yeah. yeah, but he would nurse it all night long. Yeah. And the one party we had, remember, we delegated to him to bring the wine. Boy, that was a mistake. <laughs> I think he showed up with like Boone's Farm or White Rabbit or something. And I'm thinking, I'm not even sure I'd use this for cooking. But yeah, so uh, yeah, but uh, he... Um, you know, I mean, he was entertaining. He was always on. He was always ready to tell a story. He was always ready to reminisce about something. So it, it was very entertaining. And he was always—he always had a manner of speaking that was unlike anybody, anybody else. else. Said, you know, he had—he had these phrases. He would—he—he he, he, just if, get off the, the, the new well, Rangoon the, from whatever. The whole was, yeah. Well, yeah. Instead of saying I, I, I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. It would be I didn't yeah. come in on the new balloon, balloon from, from Rangoon. Rangoon. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, he had the Rex. But also just the terms he would he would refer to you know every politician has at least one aide and and right. you know he, he referred to them as mummy dummies yeah well yeah. you know and yeah. and uh, he you know everything uh, if you say you had a poll result and he didn't think it was accurate he would call them the the numbers moogie foogie yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, details were not his uh, forte. <laughs> but they were useful terms. I mean, yeah, you, no, no, they were. They were. <laughs> but he usually had something going on too, right? And so Rex, Rex paid attention to business. I, I liked when Pat in his eulogy said, "You know, he started an engineering company and didn't know a thing about engineering. Then he started an insurance, insurance company and didn't, didn't know, know a thing about, about insurance, right? <laughs> right? And, and sold both and did well, right? So he was he always had an eye and something going on. Yeah. He wasn't talking about. Yeah. The Republicans were out of power for 16 years. The Democrats won four state gubernatorial four straight gubernatorial elections, controlled the House for much of that time. I don't think they ever controlled the Senate in those 16 years, but Attorney General and Secretary of State victories here and there. Uh, How did Rex react to Mitch Daniels coming back and running for governor and seeing the change in in politics, the flip that clearly has occurred in the last couple of decades? Well, I mean, he he liked Mitch. I mean, they were they were together from time to time, the power and light uh, stockholders, as you recall. Well, they were board members together, right? Yeah, they? and but I mean, he and he was a Luger guy, right? Mitch right. was, and 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 uh, yeah, so was Rex. So I mean, he he was ready, right? He was he wasn't he didn't think the prior uh, 
gubernatorial ticket did very well. So the one in two thousand, <laughs> the one in two thousand, right? We get we lost by in a squeaker by three hundred forty four thousand votes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you were saddled with a top of the ticket that was very hard to like. Well, t- I'll tell you a quick story about that. So they send me down to Southwest. Wait, let's just say this very quickly: two thousand Frank O'Bannon and Joe Kernan run right. for reelection and they're against. David McIntosh and Murray Clark, yeah. and you're right. O'Bannon's basically everybody's grandpa, very popular. And so go guy. ahead. I'm sorry. Great guy. As is Joe. Absolutely. So they send us to, down to southwest Indiana, I think because they figured the fewest amount of votes were there, and we, we weren't, they weren't sure we could do too much damage down there. So we go down. Who's and, we? That's Rex and my dad and me and his big Lincoln. And they're both Marines, and so he's got three cassettes in his Lincoln, and they're all of Marine Corps bands playing the same damn hymn. (laughs) (laughs) And Rex couldn't hear, my dad couldn't see, so every other word was, huh? (laughs) And so we started in Vincennes, you know, and then we went to all these small communities and played the huge crowds of nine or ten. And so he would always say, boy, it's so good to be back home again. Oh, they love Rex. You know, everybody knows him down there, right? And so after about the fifth location, right in that big link, and the dad says, Rex, this is the fifth place you said you came from and you grew up in. What's up with that? He goes, well, my dad moved around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Leaders and Legends podcast. We're discussing the life of Rex Early. He left us somewhat fittingly as a Marine Corps veteran on Veterans Day, November 11th. We have a few minutes left with Ann Delaney, Murray Clark, and Jim Shella. Jim, I'm going to start with you because we're going to ask Ann the five questions here at the end as well. Take a minute or two, and each of you, and just give us your final thoughts about Rex, his friendship, his impact, his sense of loyalty and kindness, which, you know, he... He didn't disguise his loyalty, but every once in a while he could disguise his kindness. Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, the takeaway from Rex's life uh, is is that he had fun and he brought fun to everybody else's life. I mean, I, I said, um, I don't think I ever had an encounter with him when I didn't leave laughing, but also with something to think about. I mean, he, he was very serious about politics and, and a number of other things, but, but he, with his manner of speaking and, and, and his approach, he brought fun to everything. Um, and I, I think it's a great legacy personally. Murray. Well, he was so fun and interesting to be around. Right. But, and uh, there was no challenge he wouldn't face. He was, he was very confident in his own skin, right? But the biggest thing to me, probably, he was intensely loyal. Once you once you got into Rex's inner circle of friends, and and there's very little you could do, or, or you could ask him to do that he wouldn't do for you. Um, yeah, a marine to the end, really, in that regard. And. I think that's all true. And the other thing I think I admired most about him is he didn't take himself very seriously. I mean, he was willing to laugh at himself. And although he felt deeply about the politics, he could see he could see 
that sometimes <laughs> it was idiotic, and and he could laugh at it nonetheless. And he wasn't he he wasn't adverse to saying that. I mean, he, he some of the things that he did, um, you know, to try to be the kind of chairman he thought he was supposed to be, like when that was at the eighth district race with the seven candidates, and he. He couldn't remember the names, and he writes them on the palm of his hand. But the, well, the, you need, we need we need to establish that. Indiana Week in Review. We right. had a, a no notes, no props. Rule. Well, yeah, there's a no notes, no props. That's so right. he writes them on his hand, but the lights are, are pretty hot, and it starts to run. And he's, <laughs> I think he made out the first two of the seven, and that's all he could do. But he could laugh about that. Yep. You know, he thought it was funny too. And he was very amusing and, and intensely loyal. But the, the flip side of the intensely loyal is if you crossed him, he would remember probably till his deathbed. And you mentioned former Governor By, former Senator By, current Mayor Joe Hogsett, obviously you and uh, I talked to Ed Tracy for a column I wrote in The Star, and Ed was said the exact same thing. So, so two. The, the Eichholzes. I mean, we talked about Dillons. that. Dylan's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, politics to him was kind of like it was serious. It was a vocation. It was entertainment. It was a lot of things, but it wasn't a barrier to friendship. Well, you had to have people from the other side. You had to have people who shared that interest. You couldn't, you know, it couldn't just be an echo chamber. You had to hear the other side and debate it back and forth. And which is different what, than today. More people living in bubbles. Yeah. Now, now they're in bubbles completely. Homeschool right. and, mm. and church, and, and that's it. You don't talk to anybody else. You know, one thing we haven't mentioned that we need to, I think, is that um, in 2016, Rex was the Indiana chairman for Donald Trump. Now, whatever you think of Donald Trump, uh, he Rex got on board early and, in fact, tried to get others uh, to take the mantle there and couldn't. And so, you know, at the age of, of what, 82, uh, he was out campaigning every day for, for Donald Trump because it's what he believed in. And, and uh, Trump had a big day in Indiana. Yeah, twice. Yeah. Twice. Let's get to no the... Figure. Uh, well, and, and we should also say that his wife, Barbara, was a living saint Right. Oh, 60, absolutely. 68 years? 68 years. Absolutely. What was the, they were together for yeah. three years before they got married, and they were married for 68 years. And what was the event? So they where, were get. Well, I don't even want to do 80th, the math on that. It was his 80th birthday party, which I emceed at the White River Yacht Club. He, uh, he, he was recognized by a number of people, and at the end of the evening... Well, no, they. We, you asked Barbara to come up, and what she, she had, to, yeah. and she made one statement: "It ain't been a bread of roses." Rip, rip, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but family was important to Rex. Big well, time. and she, great she was too. she was wonderful great while kid. he was ill. I mean, she oh, couldn't yeah. have not have been more devoted. And he's um, he's buried in the Union Chapel. Cemetery. Cemetery, literally 15 feet from his property line of this home he loved and the river that he loved. I mean, mm-hmm. and the Marines did a, their ceremony at the, it was, it was touching. It was cool. Since we have Ann Delaney on the podcast, we have her for a few more minutes before she has to go do Week in Review, Indiana Week in Review. We're going to ask her the five questions because Jim and Murray have already answered them. Ann, are you ready? Sure. What was your first job? My first job was waiting on tables. Where? Uh, in New York. What was your first concert? Oh, my gosh. 
I didn't go to many concerts. Um, I can't remember the first one. We were too broke. We had no money to go to concerts. <laughs> that's, Sorry. Been a, that's been a popular answer. I have to say that a lot of well, people. That's true. <laughs> Number three, if you could suggest any book to read other than It's a Mighty Thin Pancake that don't have two sides, <laughs> uh, uh, which it, book would you recommend? For what purpose? Are we talking about novel, history? Anything. Any you choice. Don't forget, you know, Anne's written a book. Uh, oh, yeah. Anne. I wouldn't recommend Politics for Dummies. <laughs> any one of the three versions. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> no, I think, you know, the one that, uh, a tree grows in Brooklyn. How about that? If you could witness any event in history, be there as it happens, which event would you choose? Oh, oh I can think of one, but I probably shouldn't say it. Say it. Donald Trump's funeral. <laughs> but it hasn't happened yet. I know. But you asked if I could witness any oh, one that had occurred in the past. Yes, in history. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, one that occurred in the past. Uh, maybe the uh, signing of the surrender of the Japanese. Oh, on board the USS Missouri, mm-hmm. September of 45. Last yep. question. If you could have dinner with anyone living today, living today, two hours off the record just to chat, whom would you choose? I'd take Michelle Obama. You have been listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, a local veteran public relations enterprise, and sponsored by Girl Scouts of Central Indiana, Garmon Construction, Leaders and Legends, LLC, the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn. I should probably have John's Famous Stews, you know, sponsor this one for Rex. (laughs) And McAllister Machinery, your friendly neighborhood Caterpillar dealer. We have been discussing the lifetimes, language, and fun of Rexford Carlisle Early. Our guests have been Jim Shella, Murray Clark, and Ann Delaney. Thank you all very much for making time. It's been fun. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you very much for listening to Leaders and Legends, brought to you by Veteran Strategies Incorporated. If you want to contact us about this program or our menu of public relations services, please send us an email at robert at veteranstrategies.com. That's robert at veteranstrategies.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.